Hello and welcome to the Common Sense Gospel. I'm Sam Tipton and here with me is Danny Simmons. We're happy that you're with us today. If you're a returning listener, we're sorry that we've left you hanging for a couple of months now and we we appreciate you so much uh, tuning in again. And if you're a new listener, welcome. Today we're going to embark on an ambitious series of lessons. And I say ambitious because, well, it's a, it's a big problem. And that's divisions in the church today. And even without what maybe you would define as the, the church, there are many disagreements within the, the body of people today that would own Christ as their Lord, that worship him as God, and, uh, and identify as a disciple of his. This is, this is troubling to, to us. And there has to be something done about it. We can't sit idly by and, and just uh, let, let, that, let that be and, and agree to disagree, as they say. You know well that within the church there are different beliefs. There's different styles of worship, uh, even so far as different creeds where they have uh, codified their their differences, their distinctions, and their practice from other groups. These groups have taken on different names. Uh, and because they've taken on different names, this is sometimes referred to as denominationalism. That is, putting yourself under the name of, of something other than than God. But yet, through all, the, all this, we have one book of Holy Scripture, the Bible. So how can it be that there are so many churches uh, and expressing this lack of unity in our God who uh, has not called us to this disagreement. And so carefully, but with determination, Danny and I would like to set about examining these differences and trying to to give a, an answer from Scripture about how they can be resolved. Is that, is that a fair way to put that? Uh, that? That is my intention, and we hope that you stay around to hear us out on this and to, as we will, examine our practice and our faith against the scripture that you would do yours also and, uh, and uh, try, to, try to look back to scripture and make sure that the church that you associate with locally in your, your home and uh, or your city, your home, that that reflects the church that we can find in the New Testament. Um, that's exactly right I think you've said that very well Um, everyone I know understands it's one of the more popular questions that that I've gotten through the years and it's just you know we've we've got churches with different names different beliefs different uh, styles of worship Uh, some of them have written out creeds as as you mentioned and and there's only one Bible So, so the question ultimately for people who are driving by church buildings in order to go to their worship service someone who's thinking through that would say which one's the right one? Am I where I should be? Uh, what are the differences? You know, so, so those questions come up. We're going to look at some of that together. We'll, we'll, as you said, compare all of these things to the Scriptures because God's Word is eternal and men uh, fade and wither away. And so we want to stand on that which is eternal. It's the truth of God that He's given to us. Um, even under these denominational names that, that we see and we're familiar with, there are divisions and splintering that cannot be repaired. 
And so just as an introduction, we want to make sure that we know that the Lord, Jesus Christ, in John chapter 4, he's speaking there to the woman at the well, but he speaks of a time that will come where God will be looking for those, God the Father will be looking for those to worship him in spirit and in truth. And so in John chapter 4, in verse 22, Jesus says to the woman, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. So he's separating her from the Jewish uh, people, from the Hebrews. And then he says in verse 23, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And so the spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit of God has revealed the deep things of God to man through the scriptures. First Corinthians chapter 2 tells us that. And so these things are revealed. That which God has told us to do and what he's told us to be is clear. Uh, we are told that God is not the author of confusion, but the author of peace. And you think about the fact that we need to worship him in spirit and in truth, that it's, as you mentioned, it, there can be no division uh, when, when we work that out in our own lives if we're worshiping God faithfully, because in Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul talks about the importance of unity in the Spirit. So we're worshiping in spirit and truth. Ephesians 4, uh, Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, so that the unity of the Spirit is kept in the bond of peace. And so again, the fact that there's divisions is, is an actual testimony to us that someone has left yeah. this unity, the unified message of the gospel of peace, the good news and the glad tidings. Uh, somebody has gone too far or, or left that which God has given to us uh, to be found faithful in his eyes. So the question we're asking is, is what's happening? And, and is God pleased? We've already considered uh, division does not please God. Uh, what should we do about all this? Yeah, we, you know, I, I think we should continue to, to study and talk and, and, uh, and strive for that unity. Uh, of course, there is a moment at which you, you have to cut cut false teachers loose and people that want to live in error and we're not we're not talking about that we're talking about uh people who affirm jesus christ as lord and want to serve him and and uh, obey him in truth uh, and yet even with within that group there, there there can be differences that come up but um as, as paul tells us there in ephesians we we should be looking for unity and so that's the exercise that we, we want to engage in for a little while with you. Uh, again, speaking of, of, about divisions and how that, that's, that is displeasing. It was displeasing to the apostles because it was displeasing to the Spirit, because it's displeasing to God. Uh, Paul tells the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in verse 10, he, he, he says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Is that true of us today? Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, he's speaking to one church there, mm-hmm. but all the churches have one head, and that's Jesus Christ. They should, they should speak 
the same thing because Christ speaks the same thing. Um, they were taking on different names in the, in the Corinthian church. Uh, Paul says some of them were saying, I am of Paul or I am of Apollos or I am of Cephas. Uh, they were doing just what the modern groups are doing today. They're taking on names of men to make a distinction. Uh, of course, we don't know all the details of what was going on in the Corinthian church. And it may not overlay directly onto denominationalism, but yet we see that tendency of man to want to make a distinction by, by taking on an earthly name. There's no doubt he ends that by saying, is Christ divided? And if the answer is absolutely not. That is the most absurd thing ever, that to, yeah. to say that Christ is divided or to add one man's name to being a Christian uh, would be a pleasing to God when there's one name under heaven given uh, which all men could be saved. That's the name of Jesus Christ, and that's Acts chapter 4 in verse 12. Um, one thing that I like to offer when we're talking about this, that we have the entire Word of God. We have Bibles that we can hold and read, and so we have the blueprints that God's given to us for Christ's church. We, we know uh, the warnings that are given to Christ's church. We know about the, the way that, that they were commended for their faith, their confidence, for their love for one another. The Thessalonian church stands out in that case. And so we, we can look at all the Bible has to say about the Lord's church, which he purchased with his own blood, and, and we can mold ourselves after the Lord's church. That, that's why the New Testament is here for us, that we would know how to live as individuals and, and how the church should operate. Uh, and So many of the epistles were written for that very reason, right? Rebukes to the church. That's right. Instruction in, in uh, their how to be a disciple and how the church should operate, right? That's right. The New Testament is filled and with we ha- those We have those same letters for the same reason. That's right. Yeah. And we're still just people. And so we can look at these blueprints and, and we can learn what God expects. So, so the way I say it is uh, if you have an architect— the architect is paid to create blueprints for the building that he's going, that's going to be built. So the ar- architect has been educated in buildings. Uh, the architect knows how to put blueprints together. Uh, the design, which includes the location of the doors, windows, fire alarms, everything else that's going to be in, in this architect's building. Once he has finished the work, he's going to send it over these instructions over to the contractor or to the builder. And so the builder plays a very important role now in, in this process in using these blueprints to create all that was intended by the architect. If the builder does the job right, there will be a finished product that's exactly what the architect wanted. Ceiling heights, electrical wiring, plumbing for the sinks, the showers, toilets, etc. Everything is just the way it was written out on the blueprint. That's if the contractor follows the instructions. If the builder deviates from the blueprints in any way, And of course, this would be the builder's choice. But if the builder deviates from the architect's instructions in any way, we're still going to have a building, aren't we? We can still call it the church, as we're talking about right now. But is it Christ's church? Is it what was given by the architect? Because it won't be the building that was designed by the architect, who, by the way, was paid to create this particular building. The end product, if the builder or the contractor deviates, the end product is going to be something else, even though it may look really close to the original design. And so there's a lot to see there. Um, we, we can use that analogy and just stretch that out. You have a, a building. You can maybe think of your own house. The architect designs the door to be in a certain place, and that's done for a reason. 
if the builder changes that for whatever reason, he's accountable, isn't he? Yeah. The, the, the owner who gave the money for all this to be done has trusted the architect to put it together the way it's been designed. Mm-hmm then that goes to the builder. Now, if the builder or the contractor deviates, then he is fully accountable for his actions. And so if you look at this, an an architect can go back into this building and say, this door is not in the right place. Guess what happens? That builder has to say, we will move it. And he's going to get it right. There's accountability there. And it's important because these things were thought out by someone who understands these things. Um, And it's interesting, you know, because you mentioned that there's there's always going to be issues in, in every church. We're all working through something. We see that in the New Testament. So when you're building a building and you have an architect and a builder and, and a contractor, and then you've got someone who's paying the money for it to be built, there's always hiccups in that. Mm-hmm. There's always bumps in the road where we need more information. Uh, it's called an RFI, a request for information. That if the contractor says, I'm not sure what this means, he can go back to the author. Mm-hmm. And get clarification. So that, that, that really does fit what we're talking about here. I'm going to a, a particular place to worship. I'm concerned about a thing or two. I have an RFI. I'm requesting information. So wh- how do I figure that out? The blueprint. The blueprint. Go yeah. back to the living Word of God, and then you can look and say, should we be doing this? Does God approve of these actions, either from individuals or from the church? And, and God is the author of peace. So we're to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace because God's the author of peace. And so, again, the issues that come up, the reasons why churches are splintering and new names are being tacked on every day is because we've left the blueprints. We can't deny that truth. Yeah. And so, so we're not going to answer the million questions that come out of that, but we're going to start to settle down and look at these blueprints and see what we can, see what we can find. It's the only way because Christ founded his church. Uh, that is clear. He started the process. He chose his disciples, his apostles, to not only spread the, spread the word, but also to establish churches. And we, we can read about that in Scripture. And then we see those very same apostles saying, keep the traditions delivered to you by me, by word or epistle, as, as Paul does uh, in First, uh, that's Second Thessalonians, two and verse uh, third. Excuse me, verse fifteen. Second, Second Thessalonians two and fifteen. Yeah. He tells him to stand fast and hold the traditions that were taught by him. Uh, in First Corinthians fourteen, verse thirty-seven, Paul says that the things that he writes to them are the commandments of the Lord. So we see that. Jesus Christ laid the foundation of the church. He then put the, the apostles in charge of uh, uh, continuing that instruction through the commandments given through the Spirit that come from God. That's exactly right. And then he gave to the church evangelists, teachers that would uh, teach others. And we see Timothy instructed to, to find others that, that are able to teach. Um, this is the, the process of the, the church and how it grows, but yet... If you ever start building not on that foundation that Christ laid, you're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. If you're building on a different foundation than what the apostles built, which was on top of the foundation of Christ, you're doing, you're doing something wrong. Um, and that may explain some of the division, not, not using the foundation of uh, Christ and the apostles as given in Scripture. 
so, so it's critical that we know where that blueprint is and how to read it and how to set about doing what's described there. Uh, and you mentioned something at the beginning I'd like to get back to. Uh, when unbelievers look at the church and they see these divisions, doesn't that reflect back on the Bible? I, I, can't, I can only think that it does. Uh, believers know what the Bible, uh, Christians hold the Bible up as their, their scripture, and that is true. But yet they also see the division, and they think that comes from the Bible. And that's such a disservice, and that's such a sad thing to hear that uh, the, the precious word of God could be thought of as a source of confusion. Yes, many can go into Scripture and be confused. There are th- some things that are hard to understand. Mm-hmm. But if, if, if you're in uh, the church, there, there are teachers that can explain those things. Like the eunuch exclaimed, how can I understand these things unless someone teach me? That's why it's so critical to be in the church uh, that's laid upon the right foundation with teachers that are able to teach the truth so that uh, people without the church can can be led into the truth. Um, it's almost for, for the unbeliever, for the world, uh, it's almost it's almost like when you go to Google and you ask a question, uh, what's the best type of truck to buy? Or, uh, I mean, just... Think of any question. You're going to get a thousand different answers. That's right. And they're going to have, and they're all, they all claim to be correct. And they can give you a list of reasons why. What are we to do with that? Are we exposed, you know, to, to look at everyone, cross-examine a thousand different opinions on something? Um, that's just, that, that just, you just can't do that. That's way too many things. And a lot of people give up there. And I'm afraid that's how the world sees these things sometimes. When really they're 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 missing the plain truth of the gospel, that that Jesus was sinless and died in our place and was risen again to an eternal life. Now we can have that hope and the forgiveness that comes from His atoning sacrifice. And they miss out on that because of the mishandling of our Bible. Um, and so what seems to happen is that when we 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 come across these controversial issues of scripture, these differences that we see that, you know, we might just go with what our family always has done because, well, that's the path of least resistance and our family has good intentions, you might think. And so that, that's something that some, many people seem to do. Sometimes we just seem to go with what, what feels right to us. We just, we, we pick something that we personally like. Um, or that question that we have, maybe we shrug it off and we decide that's, that's not that important. I'll just continue to do what I do. Not, I won't think about that. Uh, we can do these things. That's, that's, that's not striving for unity and peace. That's ignoring the issue and that contributes to the growing problem that we have. I, I've read, I think this was an old statistic. I, I read this a few years ago. Um, there, there are over 35,000 distinct Christian denominations in the United States. I believe that was r- through the registration of the IRS. These churches are distinct because they offer different answers to a set of questions or they take on a different name. Um, and they all claim to go to the Bible. So the only way I see to do this is to Examine the big ones. Start with the big issues and, and, and work down. Uh, 
-hmm. Try to establish principles and let those principles, those biblical principles, answer questions for us and uh, be determined to let, let the Bible answer. And if we can't give a good answer, well, we need to continue to study. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm in full agreement with you. I think that's a great idea and a great way to approach it. Um, I, I'm going to agree with you, too, about people driving by. You know, you drive down a road who's got uh, those, this particular road has several church buildings with different names on it. They meet at different times. They're doing different things that uh, it does not speak well of, of what's in the Bible. It just doesn't. Uh, we all claim, you know, Jesus is here. Come, come worship the Lord with us. And um, some of these differences are very important to God. Some of them are matters of opinion, hmm. and the Lord is not concerned. And so we, we can still figure that out, too, if, if we're careful in our study. So that that's important. But but you're right. Just the outside looking in, saying, the, the first thing I would say, and I can't read people's minds, the first thing I would say is, I'm glad I'm not a part of that mess. Yeah. Because which one do you pick? You know, the one closest to your house, the one that has the highest cross on the on the on the roof. What's your reasoning? And just like you said, the only way if you're if you're serious about eternal life and and following and obeying God, the only way to do it is to use the word that He gave to you in order to accomplish that. So it just it sounds like it's really easy. It makes sense, but we'll, we'll work through some of that. Um, also, want to I want to ask everyone to think about just for a moment that we're in this mess. You know, we got all these uh, names for churches and, and, and men's names that are not the name of Christ that uh, people hold fast to and they've, they've given their whole lives over to that because they love the Lord. Uh, those, those things are, are things we should think about and work through. But I'd like to just consider Jesus for a moment because when, when Jesus came to the earth, in, in Luke chapter 2, the shepherds are out in the fields. Luke chapter 2. They're keeping watch over the flock by night. It says to us, Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This angel brings good news and glad tidings. The Savior of the world, who will take away the sin of the world, has been born. And so Jesus comes to the earth in person, and that's, and that's pronounced by the angels of God. They say, this angel says, it is the joy of the Lord has entered into the realm of, of the physical earth. He's with us. So just instead of getting kind of tied up in that I'm, I'm attending here, I'm doing this, no one can change my mind, just think about how people saw Jesus. Was this great joy of heaven accepted by men? If we know our Bibles, we know the answer to that. Men were utterly confused. They didn't know what to do with him. Some had their own agendas and, and hated him. And others weren't sure but didn't write, ask the right questions. Uh, others were absolutely and utterly convinced because of the evidence that was before them when Christ stepped onto the scene. And so what did they do with Jesus while he was here? They put him on a cross and they killed him. So this wrestling about, you know, what does God want? Is, is God pleased with us? Or uh, will we hear him when he comes? Deuteronomy 18. That was an issue for them when Jesus was in their presence. And so to me, kind of like you said, this kind of is just a repeated, it's not identical, but it's a repeated theme that we have the same word, the same message, and, and we can't 
we cannot agree uh, that the Lord's church, with as many people who love him, should be jam-packed mm -hmm. every Sunday. Because if everyone loved God and followed his word faithfully, applied it to their daily life and life in worship, that we would be uh, at peace and in unity with one another. And that would, have, that would be such a great thing. Mm -hmm. But these issues, we can see them all the way from when Jesus was born. God from heaven says, it's the joy of, of all the earth that, yeah. that Christ is here. And men wrecked yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, utterly wrecked it. And that, that was the foreknowledge and determined purpose of determined foreknowledge and counsel of God that these things were accomplished, but still speaks to the error of men. It does. That's our nature. It seems uh, we're, it's right in front of our face, you know, and we'll take it off in the complete wrong direction. Yeah, we can. It's not God's and I, will. And I... I can't help but see that attitude, like you've said, and and, and how the churches have been managed and handled over over the years. There, there is error, and um, you know it, it's difficult to assign assign blame to one person. But we, yet we know it's happening, and we we must not forget the adversary has a hand in this as, as well. That's right. Entering in doubt and confusion and temptation to teach that which what isn't right and take people that are so close to God. Maybe they found God and pulled them back in the air. That's right. Um, what did the devil do with Eve? He changed one word one of word, the commandment of God. Yeah. You shall not surely die. Yeah. And then Adam and Eve both sinned against God. And, and so it's, it, it, can, it can happen. It does happen. The devil's at work. You're absolutely right. didn't forget and that is something that i hope will always be a part of this podcast or the <laughs> trivia questions i know i i really enjoy them yeah uh, i'm all psyched okay uh, jesus christ is given the title king of kings in the bible right yes who else in the bible is referred to as king of kings hmm. not in the same manner of course just the phraseology is shared I'm going to say Melchizedek. That's not right. That's not it? <laughs> it was King of Salem. That's what I said. Melchizedek. It's not, it's not Melchizedek. King of Kings? King of Kings. Well, David? God. No. no. Well, uh, how many guesses do I get? We'll go. Yeah, I'll give you two more guesses. <laughs> you tell me no when you're else? done. No, there can't be. You might be surprised. I am going to be surprised. Yeah. It's Who actually it? two different people. Okay. Nebuchadnezzar and Artaxerxes. Oh. King of Kings. Yes. All right. I'm going to ask you a question now. Okay. Well, now I'm upset these are too easy. All right. Number one, who said this? Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. That's Job's wife. Job's wife. Job chapter 2 and verse 9. What a companion, huh? Oh, man. <laughs> You're sitting in ashes, scraping boils off your skin with 
broken pieces of pottery, mm-hmm. and your wife says, you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. What, did she want the life insurance? Or? It's, it's awful. <laughs> it's her problem. Well, she's upset, yeah. too. She lost her children, so we shouldn't be too hard on That's her. That's true. That's true. All right. Ask me another one. Um, okay. This is a uh, uh, something Jesus said. He said, uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll phrase it this way. Who did Jesus say is justified by all her children? Truth. Close. Very close. Wisdom. Wisdom. That's right. Wisdom is justified by all her children. That's right. I, I, I that. like that. Me I too. Like that. That's Luke seven thirty-five. Yeah. That is a great, great statement. Goes well with what we're talking about too. Wisdom's justified by her children. Mm-hmm. The, those who find wisdom choose wisdom. The wisdom of God. Yeah. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, and so. Her children bear witness, uh, their testimony to, to the truth that God has given. Such a great thing. That's who we want to be. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Good job. All right. My second question for Sam and for everyone else. Hannah is married to Elkanah in 1 Samuel chapter 1, and he has another wife named Peninnah. Peninnah has several children, and Hannah has none. Um, says that Peninnah is Hannah's adversary. Uh, because Elkanah loves Hannah more than he loves Peninnah, so Peninnah was always giving Hannah grief for be, being barren. Um, the question is, what did Elkanah say to Hannah to cheer her up? That's a great question. I don't know the answer to <laughs> Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? <laughs> Classic Maybe husband, man. not the man. best answer. <laughs> Classic husband, man. You got me. I'm the best there is. I'm better than ten sons. And if you read through That's that, she, she was not cheered up at all. So it was a major fail by Elkanah. He tried, though. That's... Yeah. That's what counts. Yeah. And he loved her, so maybe there's something there, but it didn't work for her. That's a good question. Very good. I hope hope everyone else did pretty well. Better than I did, anyway. You did fine. Thank you. We we scored the same on that one. (laughs) 50%. (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, to leave off here, how can we wrap this up? Um. Again, we're, we're starting an ambitious thing here, and it, we understand that it's a delicate matter. Uh, but at the same time, we, we know that we stand on truth, and we're going we're gonna to speak with the authority that comes from Scripture. Uh, if, if, if you have a particular question, I'll just come out and say this before I forget as we're closing things. If you have a particular question that you would like us to address, um, please email that in. Um, you can find the, the email in the podcast description. It's Common Sense Gospel, the Common Sense Gospel at yahoo.com. It's double, co- che- it's, double check it's Common out, Sense, not okay. without the the. <laughs> no, the. Common Sense Gospel at yahoo.com. You can you. put your questions there, and especially and specifically about uh, places of worship. 
Um, maybe again, you know, we're not we're not the, the absolute go to, but we're someone. We're a third party that someone can just send it out, you know, and just say, "What do you think about this? Mm-hmm. Um, is this in the Bible?" And we'll do our very best to to look into that. We'll address it through the podcast so that you can continue listening and we can grow in this process together. Uh, we want to ask everyone as well, it, it, you, you have a place where you worship and you're listening to the podcast, um, consider your place of worship. And we want to say to you that Sam and I are never sitting in a place where we feel like we're in the perfect place, we found the perfect church, and uh, we're going to help you all figure it out. That is yeah. not our position. Right. Sam and I challenge each other all the time. We need to evaluate where we are. Mm-hmm. Is what we're doing found in the Word of God? And if not, what are the steps we need to take in order to make to make those things right? Because we want to glorify God. And if we do it, if we try to do it without Him, then it's not the glorification of God. It's rebellion. Yeah. And so we challenge each other all the time to look at our own uh, methods of worship, the way that things are done, the way that they're handled, fearfully and respectfully towards God, that love, honor, and glory is given to Jesus Christ every time that we're together. So, so we want to work through that together. We want to challenge you uh, to be thinking about your own place of worship or if you're looking for a place, you know, here, here's some things to be thinking about. Here's some things to look for to know that these, these good people are, are absolutely following the Word of God. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Be diligent, study, to mm-hmm. show thyself approved, mm-hmm. a workman unto God who does not need to be ashamed. So through this process of study and, and investigating the Word of God, we can we can be workmen of God, we can be servants of God, and, and never be ashamed because we're following Jesus Christ. It's a great thing. It is. And so next yeah. next time, what are, what are we talking about? Yeah, for our first episode of this series, we're, we're going to look at what's happening right now in the Methodist, uh, I'll, I'll term it church, what's going on in the, in, with the Methodists. They're... They're struggling with the issue of uh, homosexual clergy and whether or not to accept homosexual members as, uh, well, people that are in the homosexual lifestyle to affirm them as members and, and uh, extend fellowship to them. Uh, they are, they have a date set in May of this year, 2020, uh, to decide whether or not to split and how to split. Uh, divest their resources and, and change names and it's it's a whole thing and so we're gonna we're gonna dive into that um and and tackle that issue yeah. um holy upon so, the word of god right should yeah. should brethren come together mm-hmm. and say let's part ways and let's go serve the Lord, and we'll both be pleasing to Him. Mm-hmm. Is that in the Bible? <laughs> That's really what we want to consider and think about. And, uh, yeah. and again, we'll do several of these, but mm-hmm. this is a good, this is timely because it's happening right now. There are many people who are very concerned about this that have been uh, connected to and working with the Methodist Church for years. Yeah. We know this because they're splitting. So we're, we're going to tough, try our best to tackle this tough subject, uh, and we look forward to doing it with all of you. Thank you again for, for listening, and uh, uh, we look forward to studying with you more in the future. <laughs>